about to be a fun ride Follow along, watch as we slide Paranormal just hit the lights Goosebumps all through the night Mixing just a little bit of twain That girl sure can't do a thing Together hillbillies go insane Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain Podcast you won't ever change These two here, they got the recipe Sat on back and listen in To some of our darkest mysteries, ain't Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories And now here's your host Jerry and Tracy Pauly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, I'm Em. And I'm Christine from And That's Why We Drink Podcast. Christine has her wine per usual. I have my milkshake per usual. And from one spooky podcast to another, you guys are listening to Hillbilly Hillbilly Horror Horror Stories. Hi, right, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 49 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I am Jerry and I'm with my beautiful bride, Tracy. Hey guys, how's it hanging today? It's not really appropriate to ask how it's hanging because half of our audience base has nothing hanging. Or if they do, a good sturdy bra would help that. <laughs> I wouldn't know about that. We... um. Got a fun show for you. It's a little bit different than some of our other shows. If you listen to our past lives episode that we did, this one's going to kind of, I guess, hinge on that uh, same line. Because what we're going to talk about tonight are near-death experiences. Uh, We've got a couple of them to share with you. And then uh, we're going to finish up the show with talking about Mount Shasta, which is kind of a cool story that I've just recently become acquainted with. So Sounds good. Can't wait. Let's start off with... uh, Let's start off with some shout-outs, obviously, to the uh, military of of whatever country you're listening from. Uh, You know, we're 100% behind our military here in the U.S., and uh, we hope you guys are behind your military because they're trying to make it a better world that we live in. Yeah, and we've had some bad things happen this week to our military, and all our prayers are with the families, just just devastating. So we appreciate you guys, and we uh, just want to say God bless you. We have a special surprise next week. We're not going to spill the beans on it, uh, but I think uh, I think it's going to be next week's going to be a really cool episode, and you'll just have to tune in to find out. How about that? How about that? How about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, probably do it. It's good. But... Pro- probably not. The only thing I will tell you is we're going to have five different mini stories next week. That's the only thing I'll share with you. So pretty cool. We'll be all over the map on on what we're doing. I uh, wanted to give a Patreon shout out. Our only new subscriber this week were um, the young ladies from History Goes Bump. Thank Yay, you, Diana thanks, Denise. guys. We did have uh, a bunch of new reviews again. Can't express enough how important those reviews are. So thank you so much. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna start off with George. Um, George gets a special thank you, and he knows why. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah, thank you, George. I love you. And then. Uh, the guys from consp- consp- uh, Conspiring to Argue, this is a podcast. If you haven't listened to it, give it a shot. It's it's not any certain genre. It's all over the place. What it basically is is you got two, sometimes three guys, and they pick a topic, and one of them takes one side, and the other one takes another side, and they argue it out. Hmm. 
I mean, I've heard them do, uh, one of the ones I thought was pretty cool was they talked about, uh, Paul is dead, the whole infamous Paul McCartney being dead. So they hammered that. But then they also did, um, the conspiracy of Bruce Lee dying and Brandon Lee with a crow. Uh, they're getting ready to do, they asked for some suggestions from us on something paranormal to do. And we did the demon house of Gary, Indiana. So they got an ups- upcoming episode of that mm-hmm. where they, you know, one takes the side of, you know, I believe in the paranormal and the other one takes the side of, I don't believe. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a really cool concept. So it's conspiring to argue. And if you get a chance to listen to it, give it a holler. While we're on that subject, I want to uh, give a shout out to a couple other podcasts that I really like. And you know, I don't steer you guys wrong. So I wanted to kind of get the word out. Now, the first one is a podcast that's a little harder to find because you got to spell it right. It's called STAT, and it has a period after each letter. So it's S period, T period, A period, T period. And that actually is started by uh, a young lady uh, by the name of Karen Wickham. She is a listener of ours, and she asked us, um, for some help in getting started a while, a while back on if she wanted to start a podcast, you know, what would she need to do and, and all that. And, uh, she's got a couple of episodes out already and it's actually really good. She's a, a nurse. If you are a Patreon, she was actually on our listeners episode this past, uh, uh the first of the month. So you've had a chance to hear her a little bit and she told some of her story then, but that's a really cool podcast. And, and she's, uh, Making a name for herself. I mean, she's doing really well at starting off as far as the listens and stuff. So give her a listen. Uh, my girl, Dina Marie at Twisted Philly. Love that show. Uh, she's awesome. And uh, she basically talks about the, the strange goings on in, in her hometown of Philadelphia. And it's a little bit of history, a little bit of um, uh, true crime, and a little bit of, uh, I guess, paranormal ghost stories, that type of thing. She mixes all three of them together. That's a cool listen. And then uh, Justin Rimmel, buddy of mine, he he runs uh, the podcast Mysterious Circumstances. Mm-hmm. And he's going to come on the show here two or three weeks when we can get time to get both of our schedules together and talk about uh, a, a story that he did on his show. I thought it was fascinating. And, and rather than do our version, I just thought it would be better just to bring him on and tell his, you know, have him tell the story since he already knocked it out of the park. Yeah, excited so, to hear that. So there's another one for you to go listen to, Mysterious Circumstances. So I just wanted to give that that heads up on those those four podcasts. Um, but the Conspiring Argue guy, they actually left us a nice review as well. So we appreciate that. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Star Wars Girl, 13. Thank you for that. Matthew, 6293. Jay Birch, Woden Child, Cardiac REN, Katie B68. This one is just way too many fucking letters. You said the F. I know what I did. <gasps> but it's B G F G H F G G G G G. I told you you gotta be creative. That's an interesting name, and I'm sure it stands for something. And now I have one special shout out. It's actually a double, a double special shout out. Abigail in uh, Alabama loves the show. She's been talking to me on Twitter and she, she made a, a, a tweet saying, you know, hopefully she'd get one day a tweet or a uh, mention mm-hmm. on Hillbilly Horror Stories. And I sent her a message and told her I would. And she said, instead of giving me one, will you give my brother Eli one? Because he's in basic training right now. Oh, okay. And I thought that was very sweet of that her. Was very sweet. So Abigail and Eli. 
both of you get shout outs. And Eli, thank you so much for your service. Absolutely. Thank you, honey. We'll be praying for you. With that being said, we just released our um, second Patreon episode. So yeah, July. That was, that was Yeah, it was, it was really cool. We did The Legend of Cropsey which I think was pretty cool. And then we did a couple of um, uh, story about a mysterious hole in Missouri. And we also did another story that was, uh, I guess, kind of a, a curse type situation. Yeah. So no sense in going into that. It's, it's there if you guys want to go listen to it. Sure. Now let's get into this show. I don't know how much people believe about near-death experiences. I tried not to make this a religious type situation, uh, but I did want to split it up because most of the time, if somebody has a near death experience, they usually have a, um, I guess you could say they, they see the bright light or they see a heaven situation or they see a hell situation. I don't know how many of our listeners are really religious or how many are not religious or how many believe in heaven or hell. And so it's a unique stories when we start talking about those kind of things. Cause our average story talks about life after death, when you talk about ghosts or, mm-hmm. or something like that. And, um, but the specifics of heaven and hell are different for every religion. And I don't want to step on any toes, but I did find two stories that I thought were really interesting and they both go in two different directions. So we'll start with those. Um, Tracy, how are you doing today? I'm just fine as frog hair. And what's that crap you're drinking right there? Man, I don't know, but it smells like crap. It's called Spark, and it's supposed to give you energy, and all it's done for me is make me not like the smell. I haven't even tasted it yet, but... Obviously, they will not be a sponsor anytime soon. (laughs) Can't imagine why we don't have ads with those kind of glowing reviews. Um, I should have said I'm drinking beep, 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 beep. (laughs) Sound like the girls from that, and that's why we drink right off the bat. They think they're gonna think we're ripping them off. <laughs> hey, I just took a drunk. I mean, a drink. A drunk. <laughs> I didn't. Whoops. It's not that bad, really. It's not too bad. I I need some energy in my life. <laughs> well, good. Okay, let's get this. Let's get this story going here. Um, the first one we're going to talk about. We're not going to get into last names or anything, but we're going to talk about a gentleman named Messiah. Fittingly. And this happened in 2003. Um, what happened basically was was Messiah. I'm, I'm going to give you some background on what happened so we can cover the whole instance. But uh, Messiah was actually living in uh, Minnesota. He moved to Detroit, but he still had a bunch of family in Minnesota. So he would go back for visits. Well, on one of these visits, uh, he had he came back because he had a girlfriend and his son, Isaiah, Girlfriend Samika, his son Isaiah, still lived in Minnesota. So he goes back on one of these trips mm-hmm. and he brings his mom with him because he's also got two brothers staying there. So he figures they could all get together and have a good time. They were staying at this hotel. The hotel had a pool and um, Samika, his girlfriend, dropped him and his son Isaiah off and, you know, reminded him because he said, you know, we're going to get all the kids together. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of kids there. We're going to get them all together and go to the pool. And she reminded him. To be careful because he can't swim. Yeah, he don't know how to swim. Yeah, don't know how to swim. So she's going home. She drops them off. They get all the kids together. And uh, Messiah's down at the pool with all these little younger kids. And his brother, Leonard, basically said, hey, look, nine kids are probably a little too much for you to keep yeah, up with. Yeah, of course. Let me go upstairs. I'll change into my trunks. And we'll come down and, and uh, 
I'll help you out here. When the process of Leonard being up changing his, his trunks, um, Messiah notices that his young little niece, Kara, she's kind of running around, you know, the outside of the pool. Oh, you know, so he's probably afraid she's going to fall. He, he thought she was going to fall. He was trying to keep an eye. She does slip, but she kind of grabs onto the ladder. Yeah. Uh, so she didn't said. actually go in. But I guess in a panic, he was trying to run. Somehow or another, he slips, hits his head, falls in the pool. And he's unconscious. He's in, underwater, and he starts breathing water into his lungs, mm-hmm. which obviously is is how you typically br- drown. And he starts. He said that you know after the fact that the sensation of drowning was you couldn't hear anything, you couldn't feel anything, and you couldn't touch anything, but you could. He could see like a bunch of bubbles and stuff. Yeah, he was seeing. That was the first thing he said that there was these huge bubbles, like bigger than his head, that would be like one right after the other, mm-hmm. after the other, after the other. Uh, and he said they would just kind of float away. But then he blacked out. Well, Leonard, about this time, comes down. He comes outside, and uh, he's looking for his brother, and he don't see him. And he's like, "Hey, where's you know where's Messiah at?" And the kids all start pointing out the pool where he looks down. And at first, he said he thought he was just like playing a game or something. Yeah. And uh, he says because he was looking at him, his eyes were open. He was looking at him. You know, he's looking at him, and then the kids, they all think that he's playing just some kind of a game or something. He's mm-hmm. just, you know, under the water and playing, you know, the longest version of, you know, Marco Polo or some <laughs> shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, his brother Leonard, he notices something's wrong at this point. It's clicking to him, and, and but he can't swim either. And he's got one of the big poles out there, I guess, like a skimmer or something, and he's trying to... To reach him with it. Reach him and try to pull him up, and that's not working, so he starts screaming for help. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I'd like to think that if I saw somebody that was part of my family that was drowning and was at the bottom of a pool, even if I couldn't swim, I'd like to think that I would at least give it an attempt well, yeah. of jumping in a damn pool. Yeah. But that's just me. Who am I to criticize this guy? So he starts screaming. And this guy comes down, just coming down the steps. He hears him. He runs over. He takes off his jacket, takes off his shoes, which is nice that, you know, he took the time to take off his jacket and his shoes while somebody's drowning. But I guess once again, that's just me. He gets in there, pulls him out, gets him on the, uh, on the side of the pool. And he is basically been underwater for five minutes at this point. Dag on. Yeah. And I mean, five minutes, as we've discussed before, underwater. Yeah. eternity so mm-hmm. he gets him up there he's um trying to kind of start doing some cpr on him his eyes are completely closed by this point two bystanders uh called the paramedics ambulance comes and they start doing cpr about a minute and a half after they start the cpr he starts spitting up water mm-hmm. so that's a good sign um he's got a slight pulse but he's deeply unconscious yeah well, now the son, and I don't know how old his son is. I didn't get any details on that. But he's old enough to call his mom's house. And she's just getting home by now. She's walking in the door. She's putting her purse down. She hears the phone ringing. She runs over to the phone. And it's her son. And, and he says, Dad died. I need you. To, we need you to come back. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine that conversation? No. How scary. Not Dad was in the pool or we think yeah. Dad, Dad died. Yeah. Well, he's a kid. He don't know. Why. Right. <clears throat> And she gets in and she immediately runs up 
Yeah, she's coming back to the hotel, and as she gets close, when she's about to the road to turn onto the hotel, an ambulance passes her by. Oh, okay. So this call came before the ambulance even got there. These mm-hmm. were actually happened simultaneously. And uh, she gets to the parking lot, and she sees his two brothers standing there crying, the, the Messiah, yeah. seeing his two brothers. And she's like, you know... She knew something was up because these guys are like tough guys. They don't cry over anything. Right. And to see them upset, she knew something bad was happening. They get him in the ambulance, take off. Uh, she goes upstairs to get his mom mm-hmm. to try to take take her to the hospital. While he's in the ambulance, his heart stops. Oh, it stopped again? Yeah. It stops flat lines for a second time. Now, Messiah said that he sees himself at this time, in a hospital bed. But he didn't have any injuries to himself. He didn't have any, um, what do you call it, IVs or anything in him. Mm -hmm. It's just a beautiful, perfect room, white curtains, white linens on the bed. He's got a, a, a robe on that's white. And he said, and everything in it looked... Like brand new. Mm -hmm. He said there wasn't a crease in the robe. There wasn't any creases. And it was just perfect. So much to the point that it just didn't seem real. He's got a nurse in the room, but she's keeping her back to him the whole time. She's Mm -hmm. always fiddling with something, either the curtains or something on a stand or something. But she's never looking back. And eventually she turns to him and says, you'll be fine. Now, what was strange about this is the nurse looked amazingly like his girlfriend, Samika. Wow. He said she was a little bit lighter skinned, Mm -hmm. not quite as heavy and a little bit younger, but she looked amazing. It's so much to the point where he's like, that has to be my girlfriend. Right. And well, about this time, you know, this is all going on in his head. Well, at the same time, Samika and Masai's mom arrive. They go in they get to the uh, the room. They say, hey, we got a room for you guys set aside. They bring them back there. Mom just pretty much collapses into a, a corner. She's totally upset. I'm going to lose my baby. And th- these doctors, two ER doctors and three nurses, they come out. They said the problem is that his lungs are filled with chlorinated water. And chlorine in the water attacks the lungs. It attacks the liver and it attacks the kidneys and his organs were shutting down. down. They told him to stay there and they would let them know when something's going on. Samika wanted to see him, obviously being her boyfriend, father of her, her son. She runs back to the, and kind of sneaks back to where the the room that they're working on. Mm -hmm. And Messiah at this time, in his mind, like I said, he's seeing something completely different than what they're seeing. He feels good. I mean, he said after after the trauma of, of drowning and seeing everything that went on there, this, you know, being in a hospital with nothing going on, he's got a nurse that looks just like his girlfriend. Uh-huh. He feels pretty damn good. But he said at that point, he started to black out. He went into complete darkness. But then he starts hearing voices. They were kind of whispers at first, and they would get a little bit louder, but it was, he said he he couldn't really make out who, but he was hearing stuff like, you're going to be okay. Don't be afraid. He said at this point, it was apparent that he was dead. Now, at this point in time, Samika's in there checking stuff out and the doctors are using the paddles, shocking his heart. She can see him 
you know, go up in the air like his whole body raises from the, the from shock. The shock? Yeah. And then just hit back down hard. Yeah. She can hear people when they're talking and, and they're saying stuff like, you know, we, we need you to, to stay with us now. Keep fighting. And she said at that point in time, she felt him leave her. Even really? though they didn't say anything, she just felt it. Well, Even though they didn't call it. Right. They hadn't called it. They, she just yeah, had a just gut, felt uh, like a gut feeling. Mm. Now, keep in mind, Messiah now is starting to hear these voices even louder, which is corresponding with him flatlining. Mm-hmm. And he said that, that now he can make out who they are. One of them is his aunt that he lost in a tragic accident. One of them's his cousin. One of them's his grandma. All these people are deceased. And they're telling him to keep moving. Everything will be okay. Now, he's confused and concerned at the same time at this point because he doesn't really know what they're talking about. And he's asking questions, and they're they're completely ignoring him. Yo, it's gosh. like they don't hear him asking anything. He right. can hear them. but So he's like, this is not making any sense to me at all. And now the voices begin to get louder and louder. Eventually he looks up and he sees two lights off in a distance. And as he gets a little bit closer, a little bit closer, he can see it's actually two torches. Mm-hmm. Like on Survivor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if they were tiki torches or, you know. That's weird. Yeah. So instead of the white light, like yeah. you hear people usually seeing, he saw two torches. Now, let's go back to the hospital room. Samika... She hears the beep, that infamous flatline. Oh, she, oh, oh yeah, the flat infamous line. flatline beep. The doctor says we lost him. The nurse is like, Messiah, we need you to, to, you know, keep fighting for us, buddy. And at this point, the blood's not pumping through his body. His legs are swollen twice the size oh, they should be, God and they're way. starting to turn blue. Oh, jeez. Yeah. The Messiah gets on the other end of it. Messiah says that he's getting closer to these torches now as he's walking. He sees tons and tons of gold. I mean, golden goblets, golden coins. He gets a little closer and he's, his fear starts to worsen because he's he's dawning on him. You know, first of all, I'm dead. Yeah. Which I already thought, but this is hell. Oh, no. This has got to be hell. He says he sees a figure. Sitting, not in a chair, not in a throne, just on this giant heap of gold. And he said this figure was huge. 12 feet tall, minimum. He had a bull's head, but a human face. He had a very menacing look on his face. He said he had the horns that came out from like the front of his head and just went down and and around. It just kind of curved around. Oh, Lord. No, I couldn't. And... He said he was terrified. He said, that, you know, I'm sitting here seeing Satan face to face. I'm dead and I'm going to hell. And there's n- not a damn thing basically I can do about it. You know, at this point, you just have to accept it is what it is. And, you know, obviously he's got some concerns. Now, here's the funny thing that we're going to talk about here. Is it's an interesting fact, I thought. 90% of all drowning victims are never revived. 90%? Are not revived. So only 10% of all drowning victims actually wow. end up living. I had no clue. Now, he's saying in his mind, 
you know, I've tried to stay out of trouble as a kid, but at this point, I've just got to accept it. There's no turning back. So he's not asking his his dead relatives at this point what's going on. Or, or you know, he's just basically saying, what do you want me to do? And well, I mean, but I would be thinking probably back in my mind, like, I mean, I was a good person. Why am I going to hell? Well, I mean, you could think that, but... But, I mean, I was like, but, you said there's nothing yeah, you can do about it, but... I would be thinking, why the hell are my dead relatives telling me to keep going, keep going when they know where I'm going to hell? Oh. I mean, what the, hell, what the hell kind of game is this? Oh, yeah, not a very good one. <laughs> so, he, he basically asks his relatives, he's, he's like, what do you want me to do? And they're saying, look, just keep going, it's going to be fine. And he said at that time... Satan just starts looking around as like, who, who who are they talking to? It's almost like they, he didn't even see, Satan didn't even see him there at all. Oh, until he just now. heard the, the, the relatives Yeah, talking? so then he heard the relatives and all of a sudden it was like, oh, who are they talking to? So now he said he's about 50 yards away from Satan. And like I said, Satan's not paying any attention to him. And at this point, he's like, you know what? If I'm going... I'm I'm making a scene. He says, I'm cussing. I'm screaming. Pretty much, if you want me, then here I am. Blah, oh, wow. blah, blah, blah. And he says, now he's about 25 yards from Satan. Oh, gosh. Ooh. He says, Satan just looks at him. He said, he's, he's looking dead in his eye. The whispers kind of die down. And just that, he says, he hears his grandma She's the only one now that he can hear. He hears his grandma say, everything's going to be okay. He said at that point, Satan just kind of leaned forward from his seat, looked at him dead in the eye, and then just kind of just sat back in his seat as, to, as if he was just saying, nah, I think I'll pass for now. And he said at that point in time, grandma again said, I told you everything would be all right. And then he said he kind of eased into darkness and fell asleep. Wait, is Grandma in hell? I don't know where Grandma... I think Grandma was like on the outskirts of hell. Oh my gosh, that's so confusing. Yeah, because he was living in Detroit, so that kind of is the outskirts <laughs> of hell. Stop. Sorry, Danielle. So <laughs> when Danielle get all mad at me. <laughs> but, so he goes... Now he's like back asleep again. And the doctor's... At this point in time, and, I, and when I tell these things, I'm trying to make a correspondence. So that's what he's seeing. He goes, falls into this darkness. Well, at that same time, you got somebody jumps on top of his chest and they're like beating the hell out of him, trying to get him to come back. And he comes back to life. Yay. Now the doctors talk to the mom. They talk to Samika and they say, look, we're going to put him in a medical coma. And the reason they were doing that is because he had been out for so long that they said he was going to need long-term care. Basically, he was brain dead, oh. and he was a vegetable. He was not going to wake up, and it was just that simple. They did a test, and the test, you had to score eight, just even for them to have a hope that you were going to be able to, to, to have any kind of brain acti mm -hmm. activity, mm -hmm. and the best he scored on it was a four. Oh. So, yeah, needless to say, they did not feel really confident about it. So they put him in this coma, and after a little bit... Mom told him, said, look, I want you to take him off all this medicine and get him out of this coma. 
And the doctors were like, ma'am, that, that is a huge mistake. Because when we take him off of here, he's not going to make it. And he's not going to last very long at all. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm his mom. And if I tell him to wake up, he will wake up. Oh, you go, girl. Yeah, no shit. So they take him off the medicine. Mom's sitting there. She's, you know, I need you to wake up, Messiah. Messiah, wake up. He opens his eyes. And he said he can see. It took him a few minutes. He was, you know, his eyes were moving, Mm -hmm. but still closed. But they could see something happening. He wakes up. And he says that his eyesight was really blurry. But... He could look up, and he eventually saw his mom, and she smiled at him. Aww. Happy ending. His right lung had completely collapsed, and the doctors all said that this was a medical miracle. There is no possible way that he should not. He suffered zero brain damage. Oh, my Lord. He had nothing? Zero brain damage. Oh, it is a miracle. Now, you want to talk about a happy ending. Yeah. So then, Messiah... He starts telling Samika, he wakes up, you know, when he first starts talking, he tells Samika that she's pregnant. Huh? That's what comes out of his mouth first thing? That's what he tells her. And she's like, well, I I don't even know what you're talking about. And he said, you're pregnant. He said, do do you know if you're pregnant or not? And she says, no, I, I don't know if I'm pregnant or not. So a nurse went out and discreetly slipped her a pregnancy test, to which she found out. She was pregnant. Aww. So then she goes to him and she's like, how in the world would you know I'm pregnant? And he said, because while I was gone, I was in a hospital room and I saw someone that looked so much like you. It was a nurse that that could only be your daughter. Oh, wow. And he said, I I was in the future at some point, but he said, I promise you that was your daughter. Aww. And that, that's what that told me. Yay, that's good. Yep. He said a half hour out of his coma, he proposed to her. Oh, my goodness. Three months later, they got married. Three months later, uh, they had a daughter born. And 10 months later, another baby. <gasps> oh, they got busy. Yeah. yeah. He was taking advantage of that shit. Oh, that is such a good story yep, at the that's end. That's the story of, of Messiah. So. Aww. Oh, yay, Messiah. Depending on what you believe in or what your beliefs are, according to Messiah, he felt like that during this time that he wasn't necessarily meant to go to hell, but this was a vision that he was given to pretty much say, when you get back, make sure you're on the straight and narrow. Wow. That's so amazing that this is like a true story. Yeah. That was a, it was a really cool story, I thought. Oh, wow. And, you know, there was a lot of these stories we could have done, but I'm not going to lie. So many of them almost sounded the same. Yeah. Um, that I tried to pick the ones that were the most interesting that I thought would, that really had a better storyline. That was why that one was the first one yeah, that, that I was chose. Yeah, really good. Uh, obviously, there was one that we looked at, um, this guy that was 20 years old, great looking guy, egotistical. He was in a plane wreck. Uh Another one of these medical miracles shouldn't have lived. He had burns over 90% of his body and he, but you know, he saw some similar things. Now mm-hmm. he came back. Now he's really religious. He does nothing but try to preach and yeah. and teach people. And there's a lot of those stories out there. A mm-hmm. uh, young lady that at 15 years old shot herself in the chest with a gun. Oh, um, what you do she, that for? She had a, her parents were divorced. She just was unhappy, felt like. Oh, that so it was, she meant to do it. Oh, no, yeah, she meant to. Oh. She felt like that, that, and uh, 
it, what was odd about her situation is she was getting ready to shoot herself in the head and she said she heard a voice uh, tell her, don't shoot yourself in the head because it will disfigure you and then your parents will have that memory mm. all their life. And, and if for some reason, if you live and that you'll have to live with the deformity. Oh, gosh, yeah. So she put it to her chest. Well, in that story, so this wasn't one of the ones we meant to tell, but uh, so we'll, I'll just skim over it. But in that story, she says that she put the gun to her chest. It was a 38 special and she pulled the trigger. She could feel the blood leaving her body. She felt her, her soul leave her body. And she basically went to hell. She could see all the torment and she could see everything. And she said, while she was down there, uh, she, a huge hand came down and picked her up and took her up to heaven and explained to her that it wasn't her time and that she was loved and she felt a love up there that she had never felt on earth. And then next thing you know, she was put back into her body uh, in in the house. And she said when the ambulance came, she had missed her heart by about a quarter of an inch. Oh, wow. She wasn't dead. She had a miraculous recovery where she had no effects at all. The only thing she really done was broke two ribs. Mm. And by holding a thirty-eight special where she did in her chest, it should have demolished her heart. Oh, gosh, And yeah. for some reason, it didn't even touch her heart. Okay, so, so, I mean, I have a question. I've always heard, and I don't even know, but if you commit suicide, that's automatic. The hell you go. That's a That's a good question, because... Most religions believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the longest time growing up, that's what I always heard and that's what I always believed. But I've listened to a lot of shows and I've listened to a lot of guests. And there's, I can't think of his name, but I'm going to try to get him on the show. He's a doctor, been doing it for 30 years, but he's been on a couple of different shows. He was on Jim Harold's uh, mm-hmm. uh, Paranormal Podcast. He was also on... Um, um, after the darkness or is that, is that what it is beyond the darkness mm-hmm. um, podcast? And he's 30 been a, a psychologist for 30 years and he had a brother commit suicide mm. over 20 years ago. He claims he communicates with his brother and his brother told him that that's not what happens when you die. Really? That he said, his brother said that you basically are an energy. And then when you die, you go up to almost take classes on how to become a better person when you come back. And that you can either come back as a person when you're ready, or you can come back as a butterfly or an insect on shorter lessons, or you can just come back as an energy and just help people. You know, that's, that's what he says, but he tries to be adamant that he knows for a fact that people that commit suicide don't go to hell because they commit suicide. Well, that's a good thing to know. Cause I mean, I've had an uncle that's done it and. It has bothered me to no end thinking that that's what happened. And I would, you know, I hope that didn't, doesn't happen. You know, I just, I don't know. I just feel so bad that people feel that desperate that they need to do that. But um, I just never knew. I just always was kind of curious. And, and who knows? I, I mean, mean, who no, knows? We still don't know. know. I mean, yeah. everybody's got an opinion. But, you know, I, I've heard from some of these stories that were that I've looked into I've heard that people, you know, that that have tried to commit suicide, that felt like they were in hell. And then people who near death experiences that were saw God and they were in heaven. And Mm -hmm. then I've heard stories like his, where he says that there really is no heaven or hell. It's just 
you just keep living as an, as an energy. And then you come back as something somewhere down the road. And then you got like uh, the people in India and a lot of the Hindu religions and the Eastern religions, they believe in reincarnation. So, I mean, I, as the years have gone and the more and more I look into stuff, I am more confused than I ever was as mm. to, as to what happens when we die. Yeah, I know for a fact that, from my own personal experiences, as we've discussed on the show before, that obviously when you die, that's not the end. People hmm. do come back. People do talk to you. You know, I've had my experiences with my mom and, and people have had experiences with their relatives and stuff like that. So we know that you at least continue on in one facet or another. Mm-hmm. So as to what form, who knows? Mm-hmm. Well, that'd be cool to know you could come back as something different. Yep, that would be cool. I'd probably, I'd probably come back as like a want to be a bird, and they'd send me back as a chicken, and I'd be on the Colonel Sanders ranch or something. No doubt, <laughs> that, that would be kind of terrible. Send me back as a turkey right around Thanksgiving time. That's great. <laughs> okay, let's talk about our other story now. Other story, it's a touching story too because unfortunately it it deals with a child, and this one kind of has a happy ending, but it kind of don't. So. Here's what we got. This is the story happened in 1998. Uh, the story that I uh, read about and, and did the research on was actually told by his mother. Jeremy was a 10-year-old kid when this happened to him. He was in a similar drowning accident, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know a lot of the details as to what happened. But he was actually dead for 40 minutes oh think about that darn messiah in the story we told was was gone for like five five minutes minutes, and then the other time was like five minutes so the i didn't really say that but in the other time when he flatlined that second time he was out for about five minutes Mm -hmm. Uh, this kid was legally dead for 40 minutes the doctors told his parents he was going to be a vegetable no ifs ands or buts he was brain dead and on life support and he was on life support for five days he snapped out of it. His mind, once again, was completely fine. God, Zero that's crazy. damage. But his lungs and heart were not fine. Mm. The damage from not having the blood pumping and stuff like that did some damage. Now, I'm going to spoil this right off the bat because, unfortunately, Jeremy did die when he was 13. Aww. So three years later, he did pass away. But the things that happened in that meantime are what we're going to talk about. And the mom said that when he was drowning in the water, this is after he was revived and was able to talk. He says that while he was in the water drowning, a man walked towards him. He described him. Keep in mind, this is a 10-year-old kid. He has a, in a white robe, long brown curly hair, golden eyes, and he looked like a rock and roll dude. <laughs> this is how he described him. And the mom says that the little boy said at the beginning of the dream or the of the situation that he thought it was Jesus. And he said when Jesus was walking towards him that there was this black hole that kind of opened up in the water. And this scary-looking creature came out and was trying to grab him. Oh. He said Jesus looked at him and said, kick him in the teeth. And and he was like, what? And he said, yeah, go ahead, kick him in the teeth. And he said, so he kicked him in the teeth, 
and it made this god awful noise and then went right back into the hole and the hole just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And Jesus told him, he said, look, I know your mother and I'm coming to take you to another place. So take my hand. He said he took Jesus's hand and then they just started flying. And he said they were flew up. They were in the clouds and everything was so super fluffy and, and pretty. He said they went up further where he could see everything down below. He said then they were past the earth. They were past the universe where he could see all the planets. And he said then Jesus took him to a city where everything was crystallized. And he said the streets were gold and super sparkly. There were mansions everywhere. All of them were sparkly. And he said all the colors up there were more beautiful than any of the colors he'd ever seen here on earth. That's awesome. And he said the other thing that was strange was there were lots of babies. Where he was, there were babies everywhere. And there were workers up there that took care of the babies until someone from their family got there to take care of them. Now, the mom says um, she thought she her theory was maybe these were aborted babies. Maybe these were just babies that had died when they were infants or born dead or she wasn't really sure. But that was just her opinion mm-hmm. of why there would be so many. It's almost like where he was. It was like it was nothing but babies and kids. Yeah. Like there was a section, you know, up there for that. He said everybody up there was so super friendly. That and and loving, he had never felt so much love. And he he told his mom, he said, "I love you so much, but I didn't want to leave. Oh, it was so man. nice." And he said that thoughts, like if you had a question, that as soon as the question popped in your mind, you automatically knew the answer. It's okay. almost he said it was almost like you had the mind of Jesus oh, while wow. you were up there. So then he asked, which I found this kind of odd, but I'm not who am I to, to pick. But he said he asked Jesus what would happen to his mom and brother. And I'm thinking that kind of contradicts what he just said. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to ask Jesus for it if you just said you know the answer. But anyway. All right. Who am I? He discussed, he said Jesus told him a bunch of stuff that was going to happen in the future. He said, first of all, there was going to be a World War Three which was going to be a horrible experience for the earth. He said that his brother was going to go in the military and he was going to get on the wrong side of life, but eventually he would figure it out. Mm -hmm. Okay. He asked where his mom was during world war three. And he said his mom was already gone by that time. So she was already in heaven at that time. Well, so his mom starts talking about, World War Three, and he said, well, here's the worst part. World War Three is going to be bad, but the worst part is Satan is going to send demons, and they're going to be alien demons to wage war on the world. And she says, what do you mean alien demons? And he's like, well, people are going to think they're aliens coming from outer space, but they're really demons. But they're going to think that and that's they're part of Satan's army and they're just going to wage war he said so World War 3 is going to be bad but nothing like the war of these demons he said they're going to come down they're going to destroy and they're going to eat people what the crap yeah for real now 
Jeremy said, told his mom, it wasn't his time to go and that he was going to die when his mission was complete. Mm-hmm. She has no clue what his mission is. He has no clue what his mission is. But she said the day that he died, or a couple of days technically after he died, is when she realized what his mission was. What is it? Well, there was a church ceremony the day that he died mm-hmm. where they used his testimony as a, um, oh, what do you call it? They used it as a testimony to try to get a message across mm-hmm. to kids in the church. Fourteen kids came to the altar to be saved that night. Oh. And basically, everybody talked about what a great kid he was, what a good example he was for the extra three years that he was on the earth. And now this pastor is telling her that his story basically saved 14 kids that night. So in the reality, his mission was completed by his death. Oh, that's amazing. And using his story. And that is the story of young Jeremy. But I don't like that story. Well, but like I said, it it had, he was, I think he was content knowing that that's what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, I get all that, but I don't like the future thing. Right, well. I don't want to be eat. (laughs) Eight. Eaten. Eaten. Yeah. Any of that. (laughs) I'm aware. Anyways. Um, let's go on. Are you over it now? Are you, you fine? I'm good. Let's move on to the next story. Mm-hmm. We're going to completely change gears here. Because that, that is a sad story. I'm not going to lie. That's a very sad story. But we're going to change gears. And we're going to talk about Mount Shasta. Have you ever heard of Mount Shasta? I have never. I had never heard of Mount Shasta. I've heard of Shasta, the... Drink. Soft drinks. <laughs> but turns out they're nowhere near the same. Yeah. Shasta, Mount Shasta is in Northern California, and it's deep in folklore. This stuff goes way back. Now, supposedly, it's inhabited by a race of giant humans. That was the first thing. Tons of Bigfoot sightings and aliens and UFO sightings. Native Americans used to talk about that there were tiny people that would throw rocks when they entered into the area. And then there's people that say that there's an advanced city underneath the mountain. Supposedly what the situation, you hear a lot about Atlantis Mm -hmm. and the people were so um, advanced in technology and everything. Well, that's supposedly the same type of people that live here under the mountain. So you got, Some of the first accounts from white settlers were people on a train that would see these lights. As you know, as they're driving by on a train, they would look over and they would see these lights. But it looked like that it was coming from like inside the mountain Hmm. rather than around the mountain. Around it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I guess that's kind of like one of those, what's those uh, Himalayan salt lamps or whatever. Oh, like that. Where you got the, and. Those are cool. So there was, like I said, there was supposed to be a, a race of highly intelligent beings that walked the earth centuries ago that now live inside the mountain. And there will be some talking about some stuff in a little bit that'll kind of play into that. So let's go back into 1893. There's a gentleman by the name of Frederick Oliver. He had an encounter. He was 
marking some boundaries for his family. And he just started to shake and convulse. It was like he was, his hand was like shaking to the point like it was trying to write something, even though he didn't have a pen or pencil in his hand. He runs home to his mom and she sees him doing the same thing. So she puts a pen in his hand or a pencil and he starts writing some stuff down. Well, she really doesn't know what the hell he's writing down. And uh, he wrote for a few minutes and he was in like a trance light state. And we've talked about that before as, as a term of automatic writing is what they call that. Oh. Back when we did the Led Zeppelin yeah. thing, and we said that that's how Robert Plant supposedly wrote there Oh, yeah, heaven. that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wrote for a few minutes. Then this actually went on for a few years. I mean, he would go in these trances and just start writing stuff. Well, eventually, he had a whole book, and he called it The Dweller of Two Planets. The book was described, described the, the race of living on Mount Shasta, and... He said that he saw a cigar-shaped airship. Now, keep in mind, we're talking in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. The whole UFO stuff. It wasn't even around 30s then. and the 40s is when we start hearing about UFOs and all this stuff. He mentions a cigar shape, and there's been plenty of people over the years say they see cigar-shaped um, mm-hmm. UFOs. So, that kind of ties into it. Well, in this book... He's talking about the airships. He's talking about that. And it was groundbreaking because this guy didn't really have an education. He wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer by any means. But in this book, he talks about mass transit. He talks about anti-gravity, zero energy, quantum mechanics. How the hell does he know about all this stuff? That is strange. Yeah, so he knows about all this stuff. And this took a lot of people by storm that this guy would know any of this stuff. I mean, some of this shit, when you talk about zero energy and quantum mechanics, they weren't really even talked about till years way after that. Mm-hmm. So now we've got uh, a guy named Edward. This is the whole different story. We're going to move on. This guy named Edward, he starts seeing the southern side of the of the mountain, and it's he's got reddish and green lights. So he asked the guy on the train, this is another guy on the train, he's like, what What the hell is that? And the guy said, oh, it's the uh, the Lehmans. They did it. He has no clue what that means. What, are, what is that? No, Nobody knows. That's what the guy was saying, the, the, the Lehmans. Oh, the, the one yeah, guy said it's the Lehmans? Yeah, it's like, uh, that's what the guy on the train told this other guy, that it was uh, the Lehmans. And so it, I guess that's a, a race of people. Or hmm. like part of these people, but that's what people were thinking back there. 1931, a guy named Andrew Thomas, he said that there was a forest fire and it started going up the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a, a fog type thing that developed all the way around it. And it like put the fire out. It's like, it's almost like it was saying, um, no, you're not coming up here. <laughs> it's like distinguished itself. And the thing of it is, is there was no real damage done from any of the fire. Even the trees and stuff that were on fire, it was like there was no damage. It was almost what like this fire never happened. And uh, several people have come over the years and said that they had encounters with some of the cool ones. And and we talked about this before. We did a story a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the guy that just disappeared from Georgia. Oh, yeah. The guy with the, in the that was working on the... Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about how some of these 
places that people just disappear out in the forest and they'll reappear and they don't have their clothes on and stuff like that. Well, these kind of, some of these things have happened here at, at Mount Shasta. Like for example, there was a young boy and his grandpa, grandma, I mean, uh, they were out just walking around the mountain doing some hiking and stuff. Grandma passed out. Mm-hmm. When she woke up, the five-year-old boy that she was with, her grandson, was missing. They found the boy a little while later. He said he was taken by a robot that sounded like his grandma. They took him to a cave, and there were other robots. Now, Grandma woke up, but she had a strange puncture wound on the back of her neck. Oh. But it wasn't a vampire. No, probably not. But that was just kind of odd Mm -hmm. that... You know, so now we're going to tie this together because then there was a man that went missing. He was out hiking along the trails. He went missing. He was gone for a couple weeks. They couldn't find him. They had search parties or anything. They couldn't find him. Then all of a sudden, like I said, two weeks later, he turns up. He said that as he was walking along the path, he heard a woman singing. And he kind of went off the path to find her. A blacked out. He said he woke up a few hours later. He was naked and in a cave. He said there was this absolutely gorgeous, tall woman with the most beautiful blue eyes he'd ever seen. She gave him secrets. That's what he said. She gave him secrets. But he refused to tell anybody what the secrets were. He changed his name to Lord Kalki, K-A-L-K-I, after this. Now, keep in mind... This is a very similar story to what the little boy told. Not about the woman, but mm-hmm. once again, somebody took him. This happened. He blacked out, ends up in a cave. and But he still, supposedly this day, has not told anybody what kind of secrets. But now he's changed his name and everything. So he's completely different from what happened. You've got Bigfoot sightings. But the Bigfoot sightings here are a little bit different because people say that the Bigfoot they see here, sometimes it disappears in thin air. Like it's walking and it just This goes away. Vanishes. Oh, wow. Like it's going in a different dimension. And sometimes they even see Bigfoot get into a UFO. <laughs> oh. So. All right, but that'd be good killing two birds with one stone, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, for UFOs and Bigfoot <laughs> at the same time. But, you know, we talked about that. I talked that with, with Jim Harold uh, when I had him on the show because – there are some people that think that Bigfoot and all that stuff, that Bigfoot is an alien, that it's just, that's, you know, that's why we can't find anything of them. That's why there's no. That makes sense. Yeah. That's why there's no bones found or any of that stuff that, you know, and a lot of these places where you have Bigfoot sightings, you do have a lot of UFO sightings. So that could very well be, very well be the same. He probably just says, beam me up. Yeah. Jail. Man, that's, that's some bull crap. <laughs> All these people out here looking for him, and here he's just going up in the outer space. So, anyways, that's that's our show for this week, guys. I hope you had a good time with it. It's uh, a little bit, little bit different, little than what we normally do um, with the heaven and the hell thing. Which is why, by the way, we started off with Volbeat because that was uh, heaven nor hell. I thought it was a perfect song for what we were doing. <laughs> so. You don't want to go uh, bad either way. Yeah. No. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. We had another uh, record-breaking week last week, and we that's sure thanks did. to you guys. Please keep please keep the iTunes uh, coming. Patreon, if you want to be a supporter. Like I said, it doesn't cost you anything till the 1st, and right now there's four episodes up, bonus episodes. You can try it out. If you don't like it, cancel before the 1st, and you don't get charged anything, and you got at least four episodes out of it. Yeah, why not? T-shirts. 
Uh, if you want to buy t-shirts, go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. That's where the t-shirts are. And um, like I said, we'll get it out to you. It takes about a couple weeks to get to you, but we personally do each one as soon as it gets done. We don't personally do it ourselves. We're not that talented. But I order Speak them. for yourself. I don't have like a stack of them sitting around. When you order it, uh, I get it made up and then sent to you. Yeah. Anyway. And if you've got a t-shirt already and you haven't sent us a picture, send us a picture so we can post it. Yeah, we love to see that. Yep. It actually helps us, believe it or not, because when people see other people buying the shirts, then they buy shirts. So, <laughs> And if, then you probably uh, get sick of looking at our old faces right. on there all the time, so too. If you, so if you've got a t-shirt and you haven't sent us a picture yet, send us a picture of it and we'll start posting them. So thank you guys so much and we'll talk to you next week. Love you guys.